Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew in the 18th chapter. Let us listen together for what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the, that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will do to you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness. It is a bear of a topic. Many have claimed that teachings on forgiveness make up more than half of Jesus' teachings, either directly or indirectly. And it is here in the Lord's Prayer, we might say, in different translations, forgive us our debts, sins, or trespasses, as we forgive our debtors, or as we forgive those who trespass against us, those who sin against us. Forgiveness. Like philosophers say about the word love in the English language, one word seems wholly inadequate to describe such a vast set of experiences. Whereas some things requiring forgiveness could seem as minor as an insult, could have happened by accident or just an oversight, could be the breaking of something that can be easily mended or just causing a minor inconvenience. Forgiveness is also used to represent so much deeper and more hurtful things. Some hurts are massive and catastrophic. Some are life-taking or life-altering. Wherever we human beings have a deep love, there is a deep capacity for loss and grief. It is the shadow side of our humanness that we can suffer these hurts 
and then be asked by God, told by Jesus, that we have to forgive. We could call to mind such heavy things as the story of a mother who left her beautiful young son at a birthday party, where the careless hosts left a dozen children to play unattended around a fire pit. Her boy was accidentally tripped and he fell into the fire pit where he suffered terrible burns on his face. The parents had the joy and delight in their child's beautiful face taken from them, but even harder to forgive, the suffering that the child faced throughout his life as he struggled with self-esteem and suffered through surgeries. We could also think of the parents who sent their young adult child out into the world, fully prepared, bright, smart, clever, and capable, kind-hearted, and good, and see them passed over again and again for job opportunities and promotions, which they suspect is due only to discrimination and bias. Or we could call to mind the person this week who was exonerated and let out of prison in his 70s, after spending his entire adult life behind bars for a crime he did not commit. Forgiveness can also be on such a large scale that it affects a whole nation. One of the best celebrations of human storytelling that I have found recently is in the Instagram account Humans of New York, which is followed by over 52 million people so strong is our desire to learn from the stories of others. The story that they are lifting up this week is in honor of the woman in Iran who was murdered for not wearing her hijab properly and for wearing tight jeans. Her name was Masha Amina. And they commemorate her life by telling the story of one of the elders who had fled Iran during the revolution. And it, it tells of his deep love for his country, which was so different than the one it has become today. It tells of his love of a people and a place and a heritage that had been stripped from him and taken. And how all of the women who continue to try to stand up in protest face the same kind of fate of Masha. So forgiveness can be so heavy that it requires a global scale, truth and reconciliation commissions, or it can be as deeply private and personal as something you would never even speak aloud to a close friend. How to forgive God if you feel as though God was the one who wronged you. How to forgive yourself. So yes, forgiveness is such a heavy topic and so complex that it could be broken out into categories by degree or type. I could preach a different sermon on each sort of debt or trespass or sin. We could also preach a whole series on forgiveness gone wrong. In the wrong hands, forgiveness just becomes a weapon itself, a pass for people who perpetually mistreat and even abuse others with no effort, no effort to change or improve and all of the burden placed on the one who is experiencing to absorb the pain. I will tell you that you are allowed to forgive at a distance. You are allowed to say, I will not be treated this way anymore and separate yourself from a place 
or a person that is causing you pain and work on forgiveness from afar. But if this were a sermon series, I would call this part Step 1, Everyday Forgiveness, and leave all of these major complications for another time. Let's begin with forgiveness for you and for me in our everyday daily lives. And let's turn to the image of life's journey that we appeal to so often here and consider in this metaphor that the journey we are on is like a hike, a mountain climb. As we set out on a beautiful sunny day full of hope at the prospect of the view at the top, we are energized and carefree. We have packed a nice pack for the day. It has a healthy lunch and some water, some cookies for a treat. As we go along here and there, we find that we stumble over stones on our path. A little twisted ankle here, a scraped knee and a tear in our jeans there. And curious and wanting to learn, we try to study the source of this hurt. So we decide that any stone that causes us to trip or be hurt, we must collect and inspect it. Perhaps one was too mossy, one had been too close to a riverbank and was slippery. Perhaps we need to collect this gravel this handful of gravel, small stones that rested on a larger boulder that caused our feet to slide out from under us. Nothing wrong with collecting some evidence of our journey along the way. And so we add all of these stones to our backpack as we climb this mountain. But at some point to make room for it all, we've had to leave beside the path our lunch. We have forgotten to repack our water the pack becomes only filled with stones. Even our sweatshirt is left aside to make room. We notice that as we collect more and more, we've called on some of our companions, our children, our partners, to carry some of our stones along with them. And as we climb, we become so tired, so thirsty. Some of our friends have left us behind. We are alone and frustrated, and we find that we stumble and fall more and more. Ultimately, we realize that the stones we are carrying are the wrongs we have not forgiven, and that we are only hurting ourselves when we carry them along with us. We are only preventing ourselves from reaching the summit. We are only limiting our own journey. Now imagine setting that pack down, opening it up. Imagine your shoulders that have been bruised from the weight, now free. And imagine taking out stone after stone. You might find one that you have been lugging without realizing it in some secret compartment you'd forgotten that was there since middle school. From your first Christmas as a parent, from the week that you got married. What is in your pack? You might even discover that your parents had stashed some in your pack without even meaning to. What are all of the things that we are lugging? Imagine that you realize that you're able to leave it all behind.
Friends, when we don't forgive other people, we only hurt ourselves. It has absolutely no impact on anyone but us. So the gospel tells us this morning that the kingdom of heaven is something like having a God who loves us so much that God forgives so freely. And God also wants us to forgive that freely as well. The gospel can read to us like a threat. If you do not forgive, you will be tortured. But it's not a threat. It's just the way it is. When we don't forgive one another, we only torture ourselves. Nelson Mandela used a different metaphor because he said when he walked out of prison, if he hadn't been able, able to forgive, if he had carried bitterness and hatred in his heart, the prison walls would have gone with him. He would never have been free. The gospel paints this picture of being tortured in a prison, but it is one we make for ourselves. So we have to practice emptying the backpack. They do have a sneaky way of getting in there. Even if we decide we will empty it, we might find ourselves ruminating. Do you find as you're driving somewhere or going about your daily household tasks that old rattling rumination? You might think you've emptied your backpack and then realize that stone, you have amnesia somehow about how it got in there, it's back. So Jesus tells us this emptying of our pack is something we have to practice not seven, but 77 or even an infinite number of times. We have to continually examine what are these things that still weigh us down and empty that pack again and again. I believe that Jesus wants our journey to be light. And this is why he makes so much, puts so much importance on teaching us how to forgive. We have to not only take off the pack, but shake it out. Let all of those stones cascade back down the mountain to where they belonged, back in our past, where they can have no bearing on our future. I'm guessing now you're thinking, okay, I'm with you, I believe you, I would like to forgive, I would like to empty my backpack. But you might also be thinking, but how? How do we do this? Where do we begin? Well, the reason I wanted to start with forgiveness for the everyday is because I think we have to start small and simple. Like any discipline or practice, we can get better at it over time. We can start with everyday hearts. We can start by just saying the words. Say, I forgive you, or say, I forgive them, even if they aren't there. Words do have power. The gospel tells us we have to mean it from our heart, but even if we begin saying it out loud, it can start to soften our heart so that it begins to be more true. Another little shortcut is to begin with pity. You can feel sorry for the person that hurt you. You can think they truly must not have known better. Maybe they were selfish because they resource guard. And maybe they learned that through hard lessons themselves. You can think perhaps they wronged you out of jealousy or fear or ignorance or small-mindedness and feel sad for them. How sad to be them. 
and you can try to move from a place of pity to a deeper sense of compassion. And practice that compassion as well for yourself and for others. You can try to extend love to them even, pray for them, love them, wish good things for them. But I think even more than that, to return to our metaphor, we have to accept our past. To forgive someone means to acknowledge that there is nothing you can do that will change the way the course of your journey went. We can even move to feel grateful for how it all happened. Your journey, even all of the things you have suffered through, are what made you a more loving and more wise and more compassionate person today. Your story is what makes you who you are. It cannot ever have been any different. So we have to even try to feel gratitude for those times that we fell and were hurt. And lastly, we have to bring God in. We have to see them not only as God's child, but if it makes us feel better, remember, other people are God's problem to deal with. Do not judge them. God is taking care of it, even if you can't see it. Instead of lugging the burdens around in your heart, imagine putting them down at God's feet for God to take care of. And remember that God is the one who loves you so much that whenever you ask to be in right relationship with God, God welcomes you back in. As the Lord's Prayer reminds us that this is a mutual and ongoing forgiveness. We forgive others and God forgives us. We ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. These things work together in tandem. Paul writes to the Romans, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister or why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God, so then each of us will be accountable to God. Friends, God wants you to be set free. God wants this pack dropped off your shoulders, the stones kicked back down the mountain. Thank you for the sound effects. God wants you to go on your way lighthearted and carefree, to catch up with the companions you love best. Let us close in prayer. God of the past, accept the people we have been and take this baggage we have dragged behind us. God of the present, accept and love the people we are now and the potential that lies within us. God of the future, Accept and call us to be the people you know we can be, and by your Holy Spirit, transform us. Amen. Amen.